It was two Easter Sundays ago, and we were all finished with the services, and people had gone, and uh, we were ready to go home. And it was a beautiful day, and the kids were out on the lawn, and uh, Jeff came into my office and said, um, there's uh, some children out on the lawn, and they're gathered around this little baby squirrel, and uh, maybe you want to go out and, and see what's going on. I think he was worried about the children, but I got worried about the squirrel. <laughs> so I went out, and here's this tiny little baby, and uh, he was in a mess. He was wet and shivering, and his eyes were glazed over, and there had been this rainstorm the night before with wind, and something had happened, and he landed on the ground, and I don't know where his mother was. The children were around doing what kids do when they find little animals. So I said, let me have this little baby and see what I can do for him. And you look for a mother squirrel that's frantically looking for her child or a big nest, and maybe we can restore this family together. So they took off running to look around for a nest or a mother squirrel. So I took him in, and he just was so limp. I didn't think he had a chance. But even with my Easter dress on, I put this little squirrel right next to my heart where it was warm and held him. And, right, and so he could hear my heartbeat like if he was with his mother. And in a few minutes, he started to move around, and so did the mites that were all over him. And, <laughs> but... I thought, this is a little fighter. So then I picked up the phone and I called the rehabbers to see if anybody would take this little guy in so he could grow up with some other squirrels and have a normal life because I had little faith that we could find his mother. Maybe she was hit by a car, who knows? But nobody wanted to take in a little squirrel. So my head and my heart got in a discussion about this baby's future. And my heart won. And I took him home with me. And I gave him a warm bath and got all the insects off and made him a warm bed out of uh, ha uh, woolen hats and scarves that I had. And I thought, you're a cute little thing, Ranger. So his name became Ranger. And uh, he started to thrive. And then a few weeks of uh, a good diet on cashews, walnuts, peanuts, he loved pears. He began to want his freedom, and he was living in a little cat carrier. So I decided, I don't think you're quite ready for your freedom, but we'll start to rehab you. So I would put him out on my deck, and my deck is on the second floor outside my kitchen. There are glass sliding doors, so that was easy to do, and I have a tree growing right beside the deck. So I put him out there in the cat cage, opened the door, put a little board to make a bridge so he could come and go. And he just shuddered, and he, he didn't move for a couple days. And then he went across the bridge, and he started to climb the tree. But any noise, even if a plane flew overhead, he's back in that cage. And But eventually, uh, the wild instinct in him won, and he started going out, and sometimes he would come home, and sometimes he wouldn't, but I kept the cage out there for a long time with food in it. And, uh, and after a while, I noticed that he didn't come back anymore. 
So I thought, well, job done. But I would see him. He would come in that tree, and we would look at each other like, mm-hmm, I know you, you know me, but you're not getting your hands on me, he would think. And uh, I could see it in his eyes because I had kept him in prison. He did not want me to control his life anymore. But he was a little bizarre because I wasn't a squirrel, and I couldn't teach him all the things he, a mother squirrel could teach him. So he was always a little odd, and I could tell who he was by uh, just his behavior. Uh, but this past winter, uh, I'd seen him off and on, but this past re winter, remember this monster storm that we had uh, where it just snowed and snowed and snowed and snowed and ice. And I was sitting in the kitchen reading a book, and I heard this thud on the glass sliding door and I looked up and then I heard a big thud and he would it was Ranger he was just running and throwing himself against the door and so he was shivering and he was wet and he was panicked so I cleaned the snow I thought about bringing him inside but I knew that probably would be a disaster because he didn't like to be confined and so I took some snow shovels and made like a little lean-to for him, cleaned it off, and I warmed up his favorite walnuts and even a little milk, <laughs> put them there. So he, he knew what to do after that. But after his meal, he just stood there and pushing against the door. The glass was probably warm because there's a heating vent right there. So I sat on the floor and I looked at him and I stared in his eyes and he looked at me. And then I put my hand up against the door and he leaned into my hand through the glass and that's as close as we could get. But he just loved being there and he felt secure. And then, you know, I said to him, as we were looking at each other, Ranger, you sure got yourself into some big trouble. But you remembered who saved you. And you came home when you couldn't handle it anymore. Welcome home, little prodigal. And I said, Ranger, I would really love to take you in and give you a good life and you could live with me and I would give you so much love and walnuts and cashews, <laughs> but your squirrel-sized brain wouldn't understand at all. You can't understand the kind of love I want to give you. So I give you your total freedom again. Take in what you can of me, because I care about you, and it's okay to come home when you're overwhelmed by life. And I watched him go off into the terrible storm again, and then a thought came to me. What a parable of my relationship and our relationship with God. As Christians, he found us. He found us. The grace found us. He saved us, but he gave us our freedom, and yet he's always there for us. And like Ranger, we tend to go our way Sometimes we can sit in the pew and still be going our way on Sunday because we just have a tendency to forget who loves us, who saved us. 
But when things get tough and the storms of life come, we usually remember, just like Ranger, and we go back. And it's amazing how he's there with not a word of judgment, but just love, acceptance, forgiveness. He reassures us again and again of his love. It's called grace. It's really outrageous grace. And that's why we call this Friday good. Because as Chris read, scripture describes it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us and did it all, even before we ask. You know, we all know the story of the prodigal son. Did you know that scholars have discovered a similar story uh, that this existed among the Jewish rabbis for many years before Jesus told it? You know, Jesus had a way of taking something from the Old Testament and just making it new and shocking the listeners with it. And the earlier form of the prodigal son, the younger son ran away and spent all of the father's money, just like the one in Luke did. And when he came crawling home, the father did not welcome him. He rejected him. And this broken-down son begged his father to take him back. Please take me back. I made a mistake. I'll be a good son. But the father crossed his arms, looked away and said, forget it. You had your chance. You have chosen to live like a pig with the pigs. So go back to them. You've made your bed. Now lie in it. It was an Old Testament story reflecting the idea of the strict legalism of the Old Testament. The father could have had his son legally stoned Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21 says, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey, his father and mother shall bring him to the elders and say, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a rebel and a drunk. Then all the men in the village shall stone him to death. Can you imagine Jesus telling the story of the prodigal son to these Pharisees and scribes and others, Jews, that knew this story and knew the ending. What a shocking ending. The stones were not thrown at the prodigal when he came home. In fact, when he left, the father's heart was broken, not angry. Every day, the father went out looking wondering where his son was and if he was okay and what he was doing. Each afternoon, he would take a walk to the edge of his property about sundown and stand there at the stone fence and look down the road that had taken his son away. Then one afternoon, the father saw this bent-over figure dragging himself along the road, and in a flash the father realized it was his son. Then he did the amazing thing we all know about. He jumped that fence, hiked up his robes, and ran out and threw his arms around his son and kissed him. And the Greek verb there indicates he kept on kissing him. This was scandalous. 
the story Jesus told, but not nearly as scandalous as a perfect God with a perfect son in harmony and unity forever, sending that son to die on a cross so all of us that are prodigals can come home and be forgiven and restored and given full sonship, daughtership. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the godly for the ungodly. We deserve that sentence from the Old Testament. And that sentence and that debt got paid. But Jesus took that sentence in his own flesh on that cross so it could be set free. This was not cheap grace. The debt was settled, but Christ took the punishment, and we owe it all to him. In his book, Capital of the World, Ernest Hemingway wrote about a father in Spain who had a son named Paco. Because of his son's rebellion, Paco and his father were estranged, and the son took off. But after a time, the father longed to be reunited with his son, so he went out in the streets, and he went in the roads, and he looked all over for Paco, but he couldn't find him. So he did one final thing. He put an ad in the Madrid paper, and the ad read, Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me at the newspaper office at 9 o'clock tomorrow. Love your father. And Paco is a rather common name in Spain, and Hemingway wrote that the father arrived at the office the next morning, there were 600 young men there, all named Paco, waiting and hoping to be restored to the love of the Father. We're all Ranger, Paco, the prodigal son. And our Heavenly Father calls us all in the cross of his son Jesus. Come home, whoever will. He calls you by name. Come home. And as a Christian, as I said, we all stray in our hearts. We're all maybe not prodigals in the pig pen over and over, but we all, if we're honest, do not give him our all and do not stop and receive all that the Father has for us. And the cross of Christ to, through the ages and especially today and Easter proclaims and shouts out God's desire for us to receive his grace and the fullness of being his children and this grace is the pleasure of the father and he wants to give it and we take it for granted because most of us have been raised in a Christian nation, we've heard about the cross and we forget about it and hearing the words again and again. The, but today again, wherever you are, you can come a little closer, come home. Jesus Christ left his Father's side, not for heaven's sake, but for our sake. And Jesus 
has the kind of love of the father. He showed it, that father that lifted his robe and ran right neck toward the prodigal, that prodigal reeking of sin and brokenness. And the father celebrates his return and throws a party. How astounding, how amazing is this? A grace that looks from the cross at a jeering crowd that we heard about as Chris read the story and a love that says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. A grace that raises bloodshot eyes from the cross to a dying thief who says, please remember me. And Jesus says, you bet. A grace, a love that's the pleasure of the Father fleshed out in Jesus once and for all, who invites us to once more believe it, receive it. It heals our soul and changes our lives as we learn to really receive it. That is the grace that pursues you and me. And as I get, again, I say it's not a cheap grace. It cost Jesus every drop of his blood. And even more, he took the weight of the world's sin, yours and mine's and all sins, on his very body. And it separated him for the first time in all eternity from the love of the Father. His work is done. He said it. It's finished. But the cross, this season, he's still calling your name and mine to stop on this day and realign our lives to what he wants us to be and what we want to be because this is life-changing good news. It's truly a horrendous Friday for Christ. We call it good, but it was horrendous for him. But it's a very good Friday for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Just make it new for all of us. Make it fresh. Make it real, not a story that we've learned when we were children or maybe that we learn later, but that we know it's still working. Your power, your grace, your love is life-transforming. Make it new for each of us as we meditate on what you have done and receive it. And we thank you. And we can only respond in love and gratitude to you. And we do. And together we say the prayer you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.
Amen. Let's join in the closing hymn number 479, Near the Cross. And I would ask you to stay as long as you want to to pray, but please depart in silence. Thank you.